Hi everybody, welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. So glad you're here wherever you're at. Thanks for being with us. I'm Jim, serve as a pastor and a host for our experience today. We have a gift for you. We want you to know that, especially for all the new people with us. So glad you're here. We have a Starbucks digital gift card. Check in with us. We'll send that out to you right away. Enjoy some brew on us. Today we're also continuing. It's week eight of the sermon series called The Way of Wisdom. Pastor Spencer will lead us in the book of Proverbs as we learn and explore how God has the gift of wisdom for us each day as we navigate this life. Pastor Spencer also, at a link, has sermon discussion questions for us. Go to sumc.co slash next. There we can go deeper, discuss much more. Enjoy that as well. And now let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. At Schweitzer, we are committed to serving and loving our community. And one of the ways we do this is through our partnership with Flourish. Some ways to serve with Flourish include the food pantry, school partnerships, and mentoring. If you're interested in getting involved and serving in one of these ways, consider joining us on August 1st at 1 p.m. in the Outreach Center for an informational meeting or find out more at sumc.co slash next. Next Sunday, August 1st at 5 p.m., join us outdoors at the Finley River Park for a fun day of cooking out and baptisms at the river. We are really looking forward to celebrating with people taking this next step in their faith Plus, afterwards, we'll have a great family-style cookout. Bring lawn chairs, some sides, and look for us by finding our flags that say Schweitzer at the Finley River Park. We're looking forward to seeing you there. As we continue to care for our community, Schweitzer is stepping up to hold a free COVID-19 vaccine clinic on Tuesday, July 27th from 9 a.m. to noon in the Outreach Center. This is free and open to anyone. We also continue to be in prayer for those working in our healthcare community and all of those working to care for us during this time. If you know someone working in our healthcare community who could use some extra prayer and encouragement, let us know. Find out more about the vaccine clinic and share a prayer request at sumc.co slash next. Now, thanks for being with us today and let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. You rock. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to engage. We have a chat feature on your screen. Say hello to your friends. Give us your insights. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, we have people available to pray with you. There's a prayer button on your screen as well. So now this is the day the Lord has given us. Let's rejoice, be glad in it. Let's worship together, celebrate. Thanks be to God. Let's worship. Show. 
Now let's pray together. We thank God for the gift of prayer relationship. It's through prayer that we grow deeper with God and our neighbor. And today and in this series, we're exploring Proverbs, the gift of wisdom from God that is everyday and practical. And part of our everyday life is the resources, the money that God gives us. And how do we care for money and resources? What's our relationship? Well, God uh, teaches us uh, through scripture and through uh, the Proverbs. And so today, what I've done, and I've mentioned this uh, previously, is something I really appreciate, helps me in my relationship with God, is to sit and be quiet, and then compose a written prayer. And so I invite us to hear this prayer, our prayer together uh, today. Hear this, and then let's reflect. Holy God and kind, kind Father, we praise you for your generosity in our lives and our community. We confess there is nothing we have that you have not given us, provided for us. All we have and all we are belong to you. You are faithful and trustworthy. To spend selfishly and give without sacrifice is the way of the world. Yet generosity is the way of those who call you Lord. Your sacrificial love in all things is the way that changes us, redeems us. 
Lord, we pray we become more like you. So help us to increase in our generosity until it is said there is no needy person among us. Help us to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust us with true riches. Help us, Lord, to be grateful as you provide for our needs. You are our good shepherd. Above all, help us to be generous because you, Father, are generous. May we show what you are like to the world. Lead and guide us, Holy Spirit, for you are good. Let's reflect. God continues to shape us as we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and cooperate with God in our lives and especially around becoming more generous, that our hearts become soft and we become generous people as God creates us to be. And now let's pray together in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray with uh, a generous spirit, confidence, humility, and yet boldness in saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering together, this is our opportunity, our privilege to give back to God out of all that God gives to us over and over again, daily. We appreciate your tithes and your offerings, your gifts that make a huge difference here. They really matter in the lives uh, of this church and this community that blesses people. So again, thanks so much. And we can all continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give your giving matters god bless you and now let's hear from pastor spencer it's week eight of the way of wisdom let's watch Welcome this morning. My name is Spencer, and today uh, we're going to be on part eight of our series called The Way of Wisdom. We're spending our summer months, June, July, and August, talking about the biblical teaching on wisdom. What does the Bible teach about how to live? Because that's really the question of wisdom is how do you live? What are the choices that you make? And how do you live into what's good and right and true and what the Lord uh, would, would have for us? That's, that's really the teaching of, of wisdom. Wisdom is this uh, practical application of of living into what God has for us in a, in a day-to-day life. And so as we go through the series, we've covered some very practical things um, in, in the series to, to discover what the 
biblical teaching of wisdom is on. Now, as we've gone through the series, we've so far spent our time mostly in the book of Proverbs. Um, next week, we're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, the, another book in the Bible that's all about wisdom, and it is about a totally different kind of wisdom. I can't wait to share that with you. When it comes to Ecclesiastes, people either like love it or hate it, so I can't wait to share that with you, and that'll be next week. Today, though, as we wrap up this, this section on Proverbs, where we've spent really the last uh, eight weeks, seven weeks here, uh, covering just the big ideas that we see in Proverbs, the, the big themes that we see over and over and over again. Um, they're all very, very practical and relate very closely to our real life because wisdom is about our real life. And so today is also going to be about that very practical part of our life. And we're going to talk about money. Money. I love it. Two weeks ago, I talked about sex. That was the sermon. The last time I preached was about sex. And this week is about money. So probably you like it when I go on vacation because when I come back, we talk about sex and money. Two things I know that people love to hear the preacher talk about sex and money. You should probably put politics in there for another week just to hit the trifecta of all the things that people love to hear their preacher talk about. We're going to talk about money today. And the reason we're going to talk about money is because the Proverbs talk about money a lot. Oh my goodness. There is so much in the Proverbs about money. And of course there is because the Proverbs, the, the teaching of wisdom is about real life, and there's nothing more real life than, than money. And so because the Proverbs have so much to say, we're not going to look at just like a, an individual proverb here or there. What I want to show you is kind of a, a big picture view of what the Proverbs teach about, about money and how we deal with money, how the wise deal with money. And as we, as we go through this, we're going to look at what I, what I see are five big categories that the Proverbs teaches about money. And I want to give you some just examples within each one. So we're going to look at five categories that I see within Proverbs about money. We're going to look at three examples in each one. And my goal here is to give you the big picture view of what does the way of wisdom teach us when it comes to our finances. So we're going to look at this, five big categories, three examples in each category. Here's the first one, Proverbs chapter 10. It says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 12, verse 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So here's our first category. And you can see they're kind of coming from all over the place. And I chose three examples here and I could have given a whole lot more. But when you look at this first category of teaching, what do you see as, as, as the message here? Well, pretty simple. The wise are those who work hard. The wise don't just sit back and wait thing, for things to come to them. The, the wise, they are diligent and they persevere. They have grit and determination and they, they put themselves to goals. They don't just expect things to happen to them and expect good things to come. They, they're going to wake up early and they're going to go after what it is that they're going after in life. Like they work hard. And so you can see this work ethic is a big part of this teaching in Proverbs, one of the big categories. And clearly that's related to our relationship with money. So there's our first category. Here comes our second one, Proverbs 17, verse 18. One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbor. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Proverbs 22, 26 and 27. Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. So what do we see here in this category? Well, we see that the wise avoid debt. They don't take that the shortcut that debt provides. They 
uh, are, live within their means. They are content with what they have. They save up before they buy. And so the wise avoid debt. That's the second category. Here comes the third. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Proverbs 14, 24. The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools yields folly. Now I want you to notice here that wealth in the Proverbs, as we just read through here, these three, three verses here in this category about wealth, um, in the Proverbs, wealth is a marker of wisdom. That's not to say that um, the wealthy are always wise. Clearly, there are wealthy who are fools. Nor is it to say that if you are wise, you will always be wealthy. But the logic holds that if you're somebody who you know works hard and lives within your means, you don't chase after debt, and you do all the other things of wisdom, that it, the logic holds that if you follow those kinds of things, then certainly wealth will follow you. So wealth is a, is a marker of wisdom in the Proverbs, but sometimes wealth will lead to problems, which comes to our fourth category here, fourth big bucket of teaching in the Proverbs. Um, here we go, Proverbs 1, verse 19. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Proverbs eleven twenty six. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Proverbs 22, 16. One who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. So alongside wealth, we have this category here about greed. Because the wise, they understand that it's not just about accumulating more and more, that, that greed is a path to foolishness, which brings us then to our last category, this big sections here of, of teaching, um, Proverbs 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 22, verse 9. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they uh, share their food with the poor. And then Proverbs 28, 27. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. And so here we see that the wise are generous with what they have. They don't just... Uh, live into greed. They they give freely to those who need. They are they are generous. And so we see these five kind of big teachings, big sections. And I wanted to give you examples that 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 you see throughout the book of Proverbs, kind of sprinkled here and sprinkled there, that that share this wisdom about how do we handle our money. And so you see these five kind of big categories. And here's what we learned: we learned that the wise work hard. We learned that the wise avoid debt, that the wise um, get work to gain wealth, that the wise are not greedy, and that the wise um, are generous. This is what the wise do with their money. Now, as we start to put this all together and kind of connect the dots between these five big categories here, um, I, I want you to notice something that is uh, not at all profound. It's really pretty simple, and sometimes I feel like my job as a preacher is sometimes just to point out the obvious. So I'm going to point out the obvious here, and I want you to notice something that is not at all profound. But when you, when you look at the way of wisdom that we see here in the Proverbs, these five big categories, um, I want you to notice that when the Bible describes the way of wisdom with with our wealth, how we handle our, our money, how, how do the wise handle their money? The Bible is concerned about how we handle, listen to this, all of our wealth, not just part of our wealth. Let me say it one more time, but more clearly, that the way of wisdom is concerned with how we handle 
all of our wealth, not just part of our wealth. And, and I say that because preachers like myself are, are guilty of uh, preaching sermons that are not concerned with all of our wealth, but are generally concerned with just part of our wealth, part of our financial life. And, and so generally, if you, you come to church and hear a sermon about money, um, more often than not, that sermon is going to be concerned not with all of our financial life, but just a, a part of our financial life. Which part is that? Well, it's usually 10% of our financial life. We call that the tithe. I mean, generally, when you come to church and you hear sermons about, about giving, and I've given my fair share of these uh, sermons about money, it's about, it's about generosity and living into the tithe, this biblical practice that God has called us to. And certainly, I believe it's a, like a core Christian practice that we are called to do to, to practice the tithe. But, but more often than not, when you come to church and you hear sermons about that, usually it's in November when we do these kind of giving sermons, and, and they're usually attached to pledge cards. And more often than not, when we talk about money in church, we're talking about part of our money. 10% of our money. And so sometimes you might sit through a sermon about uh, the, the 10% part of our money, the tithe, and you might wonder to yourself, well, well, what about the other 90%? Like, what does the Bible have to say about the other 90% of my, of my financial life, not just the tithe and the 10%? Because here's something that the wise understand. The wise understand that it, God is not just concerned with the 10%. He's also concerned with the other 90%. Because the wise understand that all of our financial life, 100% of our financial life, belongs to the Lord. We call that concept stewardship. That all that we have is actually God's to begin with. Not just the 10% He gives us the other 90, but rather 100% of our financial life is concerned with the Lord. The Lord is concerned with this, which, which when you think about that, should give us some pause. Because, because that means that the Lord is concerned with things like how we make our money. He's concerned with um, how we gain wealth and our work ethic and what it is that we do to provide for ourselves and for others. He's concerned with that sort of thing. It means that the Lord is concerned with our spending habits, not just our giving habits, but also our spending habits. He's concerned with the debt that we get into. He's concerned with how we accumulate. This also is concerning to the Lord. The Lord is concerned in our life with, uh, with how we accumulate, also how we give away so that we don't just accumulate greed in our life. He's, he's concerned with all of these things. You see, the Lord is concerned not just with part of our financial life, the 10%. He's also concerned with the other 90% because 100% of our financial life belongs to the Lord. This is the concept of stewardship. But when we forget that, we have a tendency to think that, well, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. 10% belongs to God. I'm going to give that to God. Sure, sure, sure. Or at least I'm going to work towards it. Maybe I'm not there yet, but I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to give some to the Lord. But the rest is mine. And when we come into this kind of thinking where it's like the rest is mine, what we end up doing is we end up drifting towards what everyone else in the world does with their money. And so we no longer are thinking to ourselves, what does the Lord want for me in my life? What does faithfulness to the Lord look like in my life? Now all of a sudden what we're going to do is we're going to start to just drift towards what everyone else does. Which, by the way, this is just what happens in the Christian life, period. In any area of your life, when you stop asking the question, what does the Lord want for me? Here's what's going to happen, is you're just going to drift towards what you see everyone else doing. And so this happens in our financial life. We just start to drift towards what everyone else is doing because we stop asking the question, what does the Lord want for us? 
and we stop thinking about our work and our spending habits and these things that also are concerning to the Lord and we just kind of start to drift towards what everyone else does. And in our culture, we have a kind of an American proverb to describe this drift that so many people do. And we describe it like this. We say, we're keeping up with the Joneses. What does that mean? It means that we're now starting to base our our financial life based on what our friends are doing and what we see other people doing. Instead of asking the question of what is the way of wisdom for us, how do we live in what God has for us in our whole life financially, we are just now drifting towards what everyone else is doing. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to stop and consider the 100% of our financial life and what does the Lord want for us in this? And not just the 10%, but God is concerned about all of it. And, and to do this, I want to offer you a really simple framework that I, I think is just incredible. Three simple steps to, to think through your financial life, all of your financial life, not just the tithe, but all of your financial life, to begin to ask yourself, what does the Lord want for, for us? Now, this framework, it is simple, it is helpful, it is practical. Um, I, I personally think it's just really, really helpful. And I, I wish this framework was mine. It's not. I'm totally plagiarizing this from somebody else. This framework is also very old. It predates Dave Ramsey by like 200 years. But it's an old, simple framework that many, many people have used to, to think about the way of wisdom when it comes to their financial life, all of their financial life. This framework comes from John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement of which we are part of. And, and as the John Wesley taught in the 1700s, he had this simple framework for the early Methodists to think through um, their financial life. Three simple things. Here's what it was. The way of wisdom for the early Methodists went like this. Gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. What do Christians practice when it comes to their financial life? Here it is, three things. Gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. It's so simple, so helpful, so practical, and it aligns so closely with what we see in the wisdom from the Proverbs. Let's break this down um, kind of step by step and, and explore what does this look like for us. So gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Let's start with gaining all you can. And I don't think you have to be a Christian or believe in the Bible. Pretty much everyone everywhere agrees with this. Yes, gain all you can. I'm in 100%. I'm going to go for this. Everyone, no matter what they believe or what their faith looks like, everyone agrees with this one. Like, how much do you want to make? The answer is more. That's the answer. Yeah, gain all you can. But, but here's the thing. You can gain all you can in both ways that are wise and foolish. I mean, think about it. There are some clearly some foolish ways to gain all you can. Ways that hurt other people, ways that are illegal, ways that take advantage of others, ways that are dishonest, ways that lack integrity. I mean, these are all ways that are, that are foolish to, to gain all you can. Clearly, these are just foolish ways to gain all you can. But then there are also some subtly foolish ways to, to gain all you can. Maybe not quite so, so obvious, but also some subtle ways that are, that are foolish to gain all you can. I mean, I think about this. I think about the person who invests so much in their work in order to, to gain all they can. And they, they work to accumulate a little bit more, take another step in their career. But along the way, they lose their life outside of work and they have no hobbies or interests. And you start to wonder, is that, is that wise? Is that good that you've invested so much in gaining what you, what you can that you've lost life outside of work? John Wesley, alongside writing these words, gain all you can, he wrote this. I think this is so wise. He said this. He said, we ought not to gain money at the expense of life. 
There's wisdom in this. You see, you can gain all you can and in the process destroy others, and you can also gain all you can and in the process destroy yourself. And we've all seen it. We've all seen it. We've all seen people who have, in their effort to gain all they can, they have missed milestone after milestone after milestone of their kid's life. Or in their effort to gain all they can, they've invested so much in their work and their energy and their work that they have neglected the health of their marriage and just let that drift off on its own. Or we've known people who have gained all they can just in pursuit of the next career advancement, the next promotion, the next raise, the next client, the next deal, that, that, that what they've done is they now have no hobbies, no interest. All that they have in their life is work and they're terrified of retirement because they don't know what their life is about outside of work. We've all known people who have invested all all they have in gaining what they can, and, and in the process, they destroyed themselves. It's foolishness. There is a way of gaining all that you can that is wise. It's perseverance and diligence and hard work and getting up early and achieving goals, which is what the Proverbs teaches us. But then in the other way that you can gain all you can, sometimes you destroy yourself and you destroy others, and that is the way of foolishness. So you've gained all you can, and then we go to save all you can. Gain all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Save all you can. Let's talk about that for just a second. And while gain all you can is probably a universal, everyone can say yes to this, saving all you can is not quite as universal because I think most of us would rather it say, um, gain all you can, spend all you can. That's, that's a lot more fun. It's a lot easier. It's what most people do. Gain all you can, spend all you can. Let's, let's live paycheck to paycheck. Let's spend all you can. Let's just dive into this and spending because spending is way more fun than then saving, saving requires discipline. It requires being frugal. Those aren't fun things at all. Spending's way more fun, but saving requires discipline and being frugal, which are things, by the way, that Christians used to talk about a lot. It used to be common for Christians to talk about being frugal and being disciplined with what they have because this was a way that, the, that, that honors the, the Lord, that, that we'd be frugal with this. And so I think about some of the Proverbs that we started off with, especially those Proverbs around, around debt. Because debt is clearly related to saving and spending and what these spending habits look like in our life. And so I think about some of these proverbs around debt and how debt is to be avoided. And, and what do these proverbs have to say about our culture, our wider world around us, where the world we live in, our culture, debt is so easy. Oh my goodness, it's so easy. It's everywhere. It is so easy to get into debt. Car loans, student loans, credit cards, they're all over the place. It's easy to get into debt. I remember the first time I bought a, like a brand new car financed it. Not a smart thing to do. Not wise. And I remember I was, I was there at the, at the negotiating the price down and I was there at the, the, with the salesman and he brought the contract out and he told me how little I had to put down to drive away with this car today. And I was like, that's all I have to do. That's amazing. And then I just had to sign on the line and, and I drove away with this brand new car. And I was thinking to myself, wow, that was way too easy. I don't know how easy, I don't know why that was so easy, but now I've got months and months, actually years and years of payments ahead of me that they didn't really talk about, but I just drove away, just signed my name, and I got the keys. It was so easy to get into debt because debt is absolutely everywhere. Debt is so easy to get into and so hard to stay out of. But what, what happens though, and when, when we don't think with wisdom and we don't live with wisdom about our spending habits, well, what happens is we start to gravitate towards debt and we start to gravitate towards overspending because what we start to do is we start to drift just like our friends do, just like everyone else does, we start to look, keep up with the Joneses and start to, to, to gauge our life based on what other people have. And so we start to drift and we start to drift towards the newest and the nicest and the biggest 
And we're not content with what we have because we see what our neighbors have, our friends have, the new car they had, that cool vacation they went on. We start to drift towards that instead of living within our means and what, what God has provided us for. We just start to drift towards what they have and, and we just drift towards foolishness is what we end up doing. We just, we just drift towards foolishness. And this is what happens when we stop considering what does the Lord have to say about my spending habits, about what I consume, about, about how much I'm saving and setting aside. Like, what does the Lord have to say about this? Because there is a way of foolishness when it comes to our spending habits. I mean, have you ever had friends who all they talk about is, is the new thing that they bought? And you didn't even think you wanted that thing, but the way that they've talked about it, then you go out and buy it too. Like, this is the way of foolishness. We just start to drift towards this. The great author G.K. Chesterton, he once wrote this. He said, there's two ways to have enough in life. One way is to just always be a uh, accumulating more, just more and more and more and more. There's one way to have enough. You just always be accumulating more and more and more and more. The other way is to desire less. It's the way of contentment, of discipline, frugality. There's wisdom and, and understanding that we have limits and we need to stay within those limits and saving all we can leads to a wise life. So we have giving all we can, saving all we can, and then finally giving all we can. And again, just like saving, I think some of us wish this was said a little bit differently. Maybe it's more like giving all you can, spending all you can, and then maybe giving whatever's left over because that's way easier and it's honestly, it's what most people do. That's most people's financial plan right there. Gain all you can, spend all you can, give what's left over. But you see how this is written and there's so much wisdom in the way this is written. While this is the third thing that's mentioned, giving all you can, it's written like this as the culmination of the first two. The reason you gain all you can. The reason you save all you can is so that you can give all you can. Wesley wrote this. He said, Let not any man imagine that he has done anything barely by going thus far, by gaining and saving all he can. He says this, the 1700s, so let me update this a little bit. Don't pretend that you've accomplished anything if all you've done is gained and saved. He goes on. He says, if we were to stop here, all this is nothing if a man go not forward, if he does not point all this at a farther end. What good is it to gain all you can? And what good is it to save all you can if in the end, it's just about you? Because the way of wisdom and the way of the Christian life understands that life is not about us. And I think this is why throughout the pages of scripture, you see this call to generosity. You see it in the Proverbs, you see it in the New Testament, you see it all through the call of Scripture, this call to generosity. I think, I think about why it's, it's in the Bible, the New Testament, where we read that God loves a cheerful giver. Why would this be the case? Well, it's the case because as a Christian, we understand that life isn't about us. Because this is how God has treated us to begin with. This is the gospel message that God so loved us that he gave his one and only son. God has been generous to us and out of his generosity, now comes our generosity. If you want to understand generosity, the clearest picture of generosity you could ever see is the cross. That God would give his own son as a free gift for you. And so how in the world could a Christian who has received that free gift of salvation not also be generous? Like that, that math just doesn't work. It, it doesn't make sense that a Christian could receive God's generosity and then not live into that generosity too. And so we gain all we can and save all we can in order that we can give all we can. So let me ask you a, a, a personal question here as we wrap up. Um, personal question, I'm not looking for feedback here. I don't need to, to hear your answer, but just something for you to consider. But I, I just wonder for you, 
Are you living the way of wisdom in your financial life? Not, I'm not asking you, do you tithe? I'm not asking if you're moving towards a tithe. What I'm asking you is not about the 10%, but, but the 100%. In your financial life, are you living the way of wisdom? Another way to frame this would be through our three, uh, a framework of three steps here. Are you gaining all that you can in a way that's wise, in a way that, that benefits both you and other people? Not a way that destroys you and steals life from you, but are you gaining all that you can in a way that is wise? That'd be one way to ask this. Are you saving all that you can, being disciplined and living within your means, not being distracted by what everyone else is doing and drifting towards the newest and the biggest and the nicest? Or rather, are you living with a contentment in your life, saving all that you can? And finally, are you giving all that you can? Are you practicing the tithe? Are you living with generosity towards the work that God is, is doing in this world because of what he's offered to you? Are you responding to his generosity with your own? You see, we all have a choice to make. It's a choice between wisdom and foolishness. It's a choice between following what the Lord teaches us and desires for us and drifting by what do we see around us. The choice between wisdom and the choice of foolishness. Which choice are you making? Let's pray together. And so, Father, today as we consider this teaching on wisdom of, of our finances, 100% of our life that's devoted to you, you own all of it. It's all yours to begin with. Would you speak into our hearts about how we're gaining our money? For some of us, we have been neglecting things that are important and are ultimately important because of our work. Maybe it's family, maybe it's a relationship with you, maybe it's other things that we, we are not devoting our, our, our energy to because work has stolen our life from us and maybe we need to make some changes there. For others of us, our spending is out of control. We're living paycheck to paycheck, not living within our means, not understanding um, the dangers of debt. And, and so Lord, maybe would you speak into our hearts about this. For others of us, uh, we, we have uh, these means and these, these resources and we're not giving in the way that honors you and what you are calling us to. And Lord, so would you speak to us about the way of wisdom that life is not about us. It's not about just accumulating more and having more and, and, and earning more, but rather, Lord, this is ultimately about living in a way that honors you with 100% of the resources that you have given to us. And so Father, today, would you speak into our hearts and give us courage to live into the way of wisdom. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for being here. It's been a great day of worship. Thanks to Stephanie, especially, for keeping us connected, to the worship team for leading us, Pastor Spencer for your awesome and inspiring message. And if you know anybody else who could use an encouraging word, especially around wisdom and generosity, uh, please share this on social media. Share it with others. And now we, uh, we really, really hope to see you back next week for week nine of the series, The Way of Wisdom. God bless you this week. Again, thanks for being here. See you next week.